state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back, turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10, stiff arm to man, five dives. He is in, touchdown Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Moore. So excited to hear that the former bachelor Colton Underwood is going to be in Lincoln. Is he going to be the guest picker? Not sure I love that. You're excited for that, huh? Not really. Tongue was in the cheek. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nayror. Tongue was in the cheek. Okay. Yeah, I I can't say. I, boy, oh. I hope that's not it. That's 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 getting a pair of socks for Christmas and not even. Well, it's a guy that has no connection to this state, this program, and for the most part, they do a good job of kind of bringing a some local hero on the stage with sure. them. Sure. Hey, and trust me, he he's not even cool enough to overcome no ties. Like Eric Church, for a for a had no no ties to Iowa or Iowa State. He's an award winning musician. But and he, fills out fills arenas and yeah. And for a big chunk of that fan base, they would go, well, he's just parachuting in. But this is kind of cool that he's here. But some rando dude who is trying to pick a date, no, thank you. And that show ended in May. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. All right, uh, here's what we have coming up on the program tonight. Bill Moose's monthly show in hour number two. I'm going to be delighted. Always a fun treat to have the athletic director for the Cornhuskers in studio. Always get a lot of great calls, comments to him, and he has the answers to the thing. So get your comments and questions ready for Mr. Moose. Hour number three, we'll have our Big Ten Blitz. It's Wednesday night. We'll check in at Purdue, Penn State, and Wisconsin. And let me tell you, they are feeling their oats in Wisconsin. They feel like they have arrived as a program after what they did to Michigan last week. Right now, I can't argue with them. Yeah, it's tough to to argue with them as the favorite in the Big Ten West. And for them, after really a bad November that fed into an offseason where all the focus was on Nebraska, really. Yeah. I mean, most of the preseason buzz was with the Huskers. It wasn't with them. Uh, there was some love toward Minnesota after they trashed Wisconsin in the regular season finale, but Wisconsin was kind of shoved aside. That is, until they shoved Michigan aside, continuing a really great start to the year. It's a long season, though. Sure. Things can change. We're only but, three games in for them. But right now, they they are feeling good about where they are, and they should, what, what they've done in the first three games and what they did to Michigan. So that'll be our Big Ten Blitz. We'll also hear from our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, and we will give someone a chance to be a winner tonight in hour number three with our Big Red Replay brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. We'll also have a practice report coming up here in a couple of minutes as offensive coordinator Troy Walters met with the media today. It is Ohio State week. Game day is going to be here. They have a Friday afternoon show at about 2 o'clock. Uh, they're going to set the stage up over by the NU Coliseum right out in front, kind of on the little horseshoe parking lot that is on the east side of the football stadium. So 2 o'clock on Friday, they do a live one-hour show, and then the big show on Saturday morning that starts at 8 a.m. They're not new to Lincoln. They This will be their seventh time to come to Lincoln to do game day. Uh, we were a pretty regular stop for them in the 90s when Nebraska was certainly one of the kings of college football. Especially in the early going, you think about it, they only started going – to sites in 1993 well 1994 was a national title year they came out for the UCLA game and then that Colorado game that still stands as one of the top five maybe in Memorial Stadium history kind of odd they missed the next two national championship years they didn't come again until 98 and they had the storyline of Frank Solich's first year that 98 Washington win felt big at the time it ended up that Washington didn't really do a whole lot that year but it felt big at the time and then of course that 2001 uh, Notre Dame game first the Notre Dame game when Notre Dame made their first trip in 50 years or so and then of course the Oklahoma game after that and then it was six years until USC, and now it's been 12. So two trips in 94, two trips in 01. Yes. Which is, they don't do that hardly at all anymore. They try to really avoid making a, a second trip to a campus within the same football season. They might pick you up at a conference title game, bowl game, whatever, 
but they try to avoid going to the same conference, same city twice in one year. Kind of speaks, though, to how central Nebraska was to the story of the season that they would show up at a couple yeah. of Husker games a year. And it also speaks to the struggles. I mean, not just that it's been 12 years since they've been here, but it's been only two appearances in the last, what, 21 years? Correct. Since, yeah, yeah I mean... That, that's a pretty big drought. Now, they've been at Nebraska games, mm-hmm. just not in Lincoln. I remember our conference opener at Wisconsin. We first joined the Big Ten. They were set up in Madison for that, that game. They were at, I believe, they were at one of the title games in Dallas. Was it the Texas one? Might have been because UT Texas was, was making a run to yeah. the national title game. Right. They were on the cusp of, of getting into the championship game, so they would have been there for that. And I, I want to say they were at one one other road game for Nebraska, but it's they've not been around the Huskers. It's a great spotlight on your program. It's a great spotlight on your city, your fan base, and I, mm-hmm. I think the fans are certainly going to come out in droves for this show on Saturday morning. Yeah, no worries about how big the crowd's going to be for this. It'll be a big mass of red, and apparently game day's cameras were at practice today. So that that's the benefit of this coming to Nebraska. There's been some conversation, well, is Nebraska really ready for this much spotlight and this much interest? Well, it gets your program out there in a way that even just being successful doesn't. So I, I think it'll be useful for the Huskers, whether you think they're ready or not. They usually do a mic'd up seg- segment with mm-hmm. the home team coach. I'm sure Coach Frost had a microphone on today, and they were getting video of him uh, while practice was going on. And then they just, you know, they'll do some little things around town. And, uh, it's just a really good spotlight for the state. And I, hey, I know folks are going to drive hours upon hours to be here for Saturday morning. This will just not be folks from Lincoln and Omaha that will be here. There'll be people that'll be coming from all corners of the state, I think, to come and try to be a part of the crowd. Well, yeah, and uh, Ben and I were joking last night that people were listening to us while they were on the floor of their garage with poster boards and smelling markers writing up their signs right now. But uh, I I assume there's going to be a big chunk of this fan base that comes down at 8 a.m. for game day doesn't leave until the final gun. Whew, so it's a long day. pace yourselves, Husker fans. Yeah, that's a rather rather long day. Have you attended one of these game days? I went in 07 for the USC game. I sat in the stands. Because that was, was in the it was in the stadium in 07, right? That's right. Yeah. I I know it was in 01 for OU. I think it was for 01 Notre Dame. I can't quite remember that one. But I know it was for OU because the Huskers played right out they they did the head the uh, headgear pick and then they kicked off the game with the Sooners. But uh, 07 USC, I was in the crowd, huge crowd. I want to say it was like eighteen thousand that were in Memorial Stadium. And you know one of the benefits to being in the stadium is rather than just standing out on a field and everybody being basically the same height. You, you have tears, and, you can, and you can be a little more comfortable. But I don't know if that quite makes for as good TV. So we're out to, on uh, Lot 12 east of the stadium on Saturday. Well, it, it, it's certainly a fun thing. And, uh, we, you know, we've known for – we speculated for about a year that this could happen. <laughs> because, you know, I know you and Ben and I, we were, we're going through schedule books and going, oh, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of great matchups on that weekend – that the Buckeyes are here, and and certainly it hasn't hurt that Ohio State has gotten off to such a fast start. They have just been incredibly dominant in their first four games this year. Yeah, I mean, they're coming to Nebraska, but let's be clear, Ohio State's carrying the water on this one. Nebraska's an okay story, but they're coming because Ohio State is really, really good. Uh, And the other thing is just the lack of anything else on the schedule, and isn't it ironic? Utah... Utah's game this week, I think, was one that could have taken game day away. And Brandon Grice pointed this out to me, our friend Brandon. Uh, Isn't it ironic that USC, the team Nebraska played the last time game day was here, helped Nebraska get game day this time? Well, it's Utah-Washington State who lost then their wild game late Saturday night, too, to UCLA. So both of those teams got beat 
last week, where both Nebraska and Ohio State did win their game this week. There are not. I think there's only two other matchups. There's two matchups in college football with ranked teams battling each other. So they didn't have an awful lot of choices. And you're right. They haven't done much with Ohio State. The good chunk, of, I'm, I just want to give folks a fair warning, a good chunk of that three-hour program is probably going to deal with Ohio State. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk of – Boy, Ryan Day has really taken this program. Uh, the transition has been really smooth. He's put his spin on it. This team's out to a hot start. They'll talk some about Nebraska. Oh, yeah, yeah. No question. But, yeah, Ohio State's the entree here. Nebraska, unfortunately, is the side dish. But maybe they pack a punch all the same. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Presented by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your home siding but not sure where to start? Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding and always provides free consultations. Huskers and full pads worked out in the stadium today, and offensive coordinator Troy Walters faced the media, and he was first asked about the Ohio State defense he'll face Saturday night, a defense giving up just nine points a game. They probably have five or six first, second round picks on that defense. Um, Overall, they fly around to the ball. They're physical, athletic, uh, really starts up front. I mean, they've got some creatures up front with size, with uh, strength, and they're athletic, so they can rush the passer. They can uh, create havoc in the run game. Uh, Linebackers are fast flow guys. Secondary guys, they're going to get up in your face, press you, not let you get off the line of scrimmage. So across the board, they're they're an excellent defense. Uh, We got a work cut out for us, so the guys understand that. They understand the challenge ahead, and uh, we've had a good couple practices, so we're ready to go. Best defense Nebraska will face. I think everybody would sign to that. Best defense Nebraska will face by how much? Wisconsin might beg to differ with you, the way they're playing defense right now. Uh, It's by far the best defense Nebraska's faced to this point. I would put the Badgers probably in the same ilk with this group. These guys are probably a bit more athletic. I think Badgers might be a little bit more physical, but uh, they're good. And, you know, but, you know, Nebraska faced pretty much the same group last year and put 31 points on the board against them. That's a that's something you can build on. And this team will have some confidence, to be sure, against Ohio State. And Troy Walters mentioned this Ohio State uh, defense has some creatures up front. Perhaps the scariest of those creatures is defensive end Chase Young, who has seven sacks. Troy Walters was asked about him. Yeah, he's a special kid, special kid. You know, he can uh, he can rush the passer. He can d- be disruptive in the run game. Um, so you've got to make sure that you, you put bodies on him. Um, you got to make sure that you account for him in, the, in your pass protection and, and know where he's at because he can disrupt the game. And so uh, we're well aware, the O-line is well aware of, of, of uh, how talented he is. And, uh, and uh, they're excited to go up against a top-notch uh, defensive lineman. The good news is Nebraska faced a couple of great pass rushers last week. Uh, you, you think of forty uh, Batiku of yep. Illinois was the national leader in sacks coming into the game uh, against the Huskers. So that at least prepared them a little. The problem is everybody else on that Ohio State defensive line is so good. It, it, Hymas, Brendan Hymas will be matched up with Young a lot, and they were last year. If you go back and watch the tape, Brendan did a really good job with Chase Young, and you, you need another effort like that out of him Saturday night. We go from the front of Ohio State's defense to the back end of their defense. The defensive backs, four interceptions, 17 passes broken up this year, and really tough press coverage at the line of scrimmage. Troy Walters was asked how the Huskers will try to beat that press coverage. Yeah, we worked it. You know, we we go against great DBs every day, going against our uh, secondary, Lamar Jackson's uh, a a bigger size corner. 
so we work press release every day. So the guys are comfortable. Um, but it comes down to a mindset, man. I'm not going to let this guy jam me. I'm not going to let this guy disrupt me from getting into my, getting into my route. Um, and it will do different things to try to create softer coverage. Um, but it, it really comes down to the mindset and, and, and trusting the preparation, trusting what we've done all, all summer, all fall, going against our defensive backs. You know, they press every day in one-on-ones and every day in practice. So the guys are comfortable, and uh, now it's just go, time to go out in there and show it. Their corners, uh, Akuda and Wade, are 6'1", 200, and 6'1", 194. So not huge, but plenty big. And especially with Nebraska's smaller wide receivers, that's going to be a challenge for them to get clean off the line of scrimmage. That'll be the whole key. Can they separate? Can they get space so that they give somewhere for Taylor Mart for Adrian Martinez, Taylor Martinez, Adrian to throw the football. That'll be the whole key. Be one of the interesting battles in this game as we continue along on our JTEC practice report. Uh, you mentioned it, Greg. The Huskers played Ohio State close last year at the horseshoe. Troy Walters was asked if Nebraska can draw anything from that great effort out in Columbus last season. Yeah, we do. We went in there and, and, and played them well. You know, disappointed we didn't win, but uh, played them well. And uh, we'll look back, and, and I don't think there's going to be anybody scared or, or not thinking we can't win. So, uh, you know, we had a good – we always focus on the preparation and day, day by day and, and making sure we take care of our Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And we've had good Monday, good Tuesday, and good Wednesday. So uh, we got to continue on the rest of the week and so that we step on that field. We're confident because of our preparation. And uh, But last year does help and understanding that uh, you know they have a lot of the same guys we have a lot of the same guys and it was a it was a ball game last year I think that really surprised people how well Nebraska was able to hang with Ohio State I know the Buckeyes weren't playing nearly as well then as they are now but Nebraska was able to go into the horseshoe and and really put a scare into an Ohio State team that was trying to wrap up a Big Ten East title sure were I think what Nebraska has is that Nebraska has enough speed that they can run with Ohio State not many teams can run with Ohio State Nebraska can and that makes a big difference especially in this conference I mean right. you think of the other challengers in this league I mean Wisconsin is power Iowa's power Michigan, you know, Michigan really State has been. and yeah. Michigan has been and yeah. we've seen how their uh, flip to the spread offense has worked out for them disaster yeah exactly uh, and the one team that was able to beat Ohio State last year Purdue with, with all their speed right. the guy Rondale Moore Wandale Robinson the comparison has been made more than a few times hopefully a little deja vu if the Huskers are going to pull out the upset against Ohio State one thing they're going to have to do is protect the football better they've fumbled it away nine times this year that's tied for worst in the country Troy Walters was asked how he's trying to build better ball security yeah we, we emphasize it every day in practice um, you know we do ball security every day and um, the guys have to realize you know that 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 the, the hopes and dreams of this program is that football so when you have that football in your hands, you got to make sure you, you know you, you end with it in your hands, and and the guys are focused on that. And you know that sometimes the defense makes a good play and they put their hat on the ball and it happens. But uh, we emphasize we can't. You turn the ball over four times against Ohio State, it's going to be a long, long evening. So we understand the importance. The guys are um, focusing on it. We don't want to make too big of a deal where it's in our head, but uh, we want to stress the importance of ball security. One of our callers mentioned that, that you don't want to make it too big a thing, but at the same time, you want to emphasize it. You want to make sure the guys are, are doing what they can to make sure they don't fumble. And I, that Illinois game surprised me with how hard hitting it was. And I think that led to a couple of the fumbles. And unfortunately, that's just going to happen. They've, they're they on scholarship too. The fumbles you can't have right. are, you think of the one where Adrian Martinez and Maurice Washington uh, were at the mesh point on the on the fake of the option and, and the ball was simply dropped. That cannot happen. And the goofy forward pass fumble from Adrian, that was the second one. That's two of the four were those. Right. Mills had one where he's laying on his back and it got ripped away. He's almost down. He thought he was. I don't think he was. And, I mean, and then same thing with J.D. He's being taken to the ground and got hit hard and jarred loose. So, yeah, you got to just hang on to it. But two of those were pretty goofy. Yeah, and two that you feel like 
were unforced errors. Yes. It's one thing if the guy makes a great play, but if you make the mistake, that's that's a tough thing to swallow. Uh, one other thing Nebraska is going to have to do is involve other weapons beyond just Maurice Washington and Dedrick Mills and Wandale Robinson. Trey Walters was asked what the wide receivers need to do better to make themselves a bigger part of the game. Get open. Um, you know, we got to play fast. That's number one. You got to run your, run your routes at full speed. Um, and then you've got to, our job as, as, as receivers is to give the quarterback an accurate picture. So when he hits his third step, his fifth step, we need to be where he expects us to be. And that starts with playing fast, running fast, and then some of the details that, come, that, that involve running routes. You know, being able to separate, being able to put your foot in the ground, uh, getting your depth. Um, you know, if it's press, being able to, to, to lean on a guy and create separation. So all those factor into a receiver getting open and, and, uh, and creating a good picture for the quarterback. It's going to be a big-time challenge for those receivers to shake some of the best defensive backs in the country. And uh, if they are, the Huskers have a puncher's chance in this game. If they're not, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be tough for Nebraska to move the ball against Ohio State. You mentioned that Nebraska's pretty good at using those swing passes to get the ball out quickly to Wandale or some of those people. And the tight ends, I think, can be a factor against Ohio State. So Nebraska has some ability, I think, to move the ball around so that you're not always having to win that one-on-one of the line of scrimmage. They have some other parts of their playbook they can go to, and I think you'll see some of that Saturday. One weapon Nebraska really leaned on against Illinois was Wandale Robinson. He had a total of 27 touches after he had some work, but not nearly that much in the first three games. Troy Walters was asked about the toughness Wandale Robinson showed against the Illini. Yeah, we knew he was tough, but uh, he took some shots, man. I'm up in the press box and just cringing at times because, uh, you know, he took some shots. But he's a tough kid, man. Kept getting up, uh, getting back in the game. Um, and that's the attitude that we are going to need this week against Ohio State um, across the board. Uh, physical toughness, but also mental toughness. You know, going out, expecting to win, um, expecting to make a play. Uh, uh, and he, he, he exhibits that, and, and uh, he's a great guy to have on his team. So Troy Walters was asked, how will Nebraska use Wandale Robinson against Ohio State? Yeah, we got to find matchups. We got to find advantages. Uh, we got to move those guys around. You know, they can do so many things um, in, in special ways. So we've got to, you know, put them in the backfield, get them touches. We got to put them out at receiver, get them touches, move them around. Um, you got to get the playmakers the ball. And in big games like this, playmakers got to step up and make plays. And so those two guys are, 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 are playmakers on offense, and so we got to find ways to get them involved, get them touches. That'll be one of the interesting stories in this game. How exactly does Nebraska get the ball in the hands of Wandale Robinson? I don't expect that they'll line him up at running back as much as they did, but I would I wouldn't be surprised if they use him a fair amount at that running back spot with all the success he had against Illinois last week. I would, I would, yeah, they'll, they'll certainly do that. The good news out of today's practice is that Maurice Washington was practicing. That's a really good sign. It looks like he may be available Saturday night because he was like seventy-five percent against Illinois yeah. and gashing. Yes, he was. He looked very. He he looked good until the play was over, right? And then he was gimpy after virtually every play. Finally, of course, big game. You've got the national TV with ABC in the house for the matchup against Ohio State College game day before Trey Walters was asked how the team is handling all the extra hype around this one. Good. We, we, uh, we stress the preparation, man. We stress there's no difference if you're playing. The preparation doesn't change whether you're playing Bethune-Cookman or you're playing Ohio State or you're playing anybody. You're playing in the conference championship game. You're playing in the first game of the season. The preparation's the same. What we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is not going to change. Um, you know, Coach Frost is the same way this week as he was the first game of the season. With coaches are. You know, it's, it's really what goes on between the, the white lines. And don't get caught up in the hype. It's good that the hype is here. It's good that game day is going to be here, all the attention. But don't get caught up in it. It all comes down to what we do in between the white lines and uh, the guys, their preparation so far has been good. If you're going to be a great program, you've got to deal with hype around you and, and, and even more of it as the year goes along. So this is a good early lesson as this program continues 
to rebuild. Great opportunity, too. That's why I look at this as a great opportunity. Nobody expects Nebraska to win this game. You're going to have a fired-up crowd. You know the Huskers are going to be fired up to play. Let's go see what happens. Let's put some pressure on Ohio State. Push them into a fourth quarter. They haven't had to play a fourth quarter all year yet. Well, yeah, Nebraska is the best team Ohio State has played this year by a good margin. Yes. So see how they deal with adversity. Can they lean on Justin Fields right. when the game matters? Hasn't the guy... He hasn't thrown a pick yet. He's due for that. Right. And, and Nebraska's due for some bounces, yes. too. Yeah. Hey, they have a puncher's chance in this one. Absolutely. All right, good stuff. Phone Thank lines you. are open again for you, folks. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We'll take some calls next. And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly chat with Bill Moose, Nebraska's athletic director. He, he wanted to be sure the calendar had flipped to fall before he got his September schedule in here. So we did that Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we're in fall. I'm, I'm, I've been in fall for months because I've been waiting for football season and it's here. And we got an exciting oh. weekend coming up and uh, lots to talk about tonight. We sure do. Here are the phone numbers if you want to be a part of the program tonight, 866 866- Husker 1-866-487-5371. You're right. It's a big week. I mean, game day coming here for the seventh time. Haven't been here in 12 years. Ohio State's got a heck of a football team. This is big stuff. This is great. Oh, it's what we want. And this is, uh, you know, if, when, you, when you put the blueprint together and you're mixing the recipe up and all that, here we are in year two of the Scott Frost era, and we've got game day coming. Now, I'm going to tell you, Greg, what that what that – shows me is that the brand is back uh respect for us uh uh here we are we're we're three and one we lost on the road in overtime uh hey that is what it is but you know we've got a little momentum going too and here we got this big game on uh on prime time on uh saturday night and a lot of eyeballs on our program and our university, and I've said it all along, uh, one of the big assets that a that a university has when they have a successful athletic program is people are looking and watching and learning more about the institution, not just the athletic department. And this is the big stage. It sure is. Think anybody's going to show up for these programs? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we've <laughs> we've we've got uh, we got. Uh, I'm not even going to say limited space because we don't even have that is going to be nice and cordial but we're we're even for our basketball showcase event on friday night it's sold out and uh so our fans you know i i never want to come on the air with you and not not thank our fans and how fabulous they are and passionate and uh uh, we're getting a product back together across the board that uh, will make them proud and, and thankful that they stuck with us during some tough times. You mentioned the overtime loss in Boulder. Let, let's let's talk about the amount of red that was oh. in that stadium for that game. Wasn't that something else? I'm I, and this might be moose math, which people uh, claim that I use once in a while. Slight exaggeration. But I don't think it is. I, I'd say 65, 70% were Husker fans in that stadium. Yeah. And, they, and, and we were loud. Anytime the home team has to go to hand signals. <laughs> we saw it last year at Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we learned something as a football team uh and and we had them down we were mm-hmm. controlling that game we took the set we received the ball in the second half uh we marched down greg you know shoulda woulda coulda uh and have a eight to ten play drive and score um i think it would have been over yeah. we don't know but we learned from that and we needed to do that now last week we got another lesson better be focused better show up uh I mean, we had some great things happen at Illinois, but we we could have lost that. And those deadly uh, sins that hang around a football team, and it's called turnovers and special teams. If we're not paying attention to those, you can have 700 yards of offense and control the ball 15 minutes more than the opponent and still lose a game. Yeah. 
still we're still learning how to win as a program in four and eight four and eight seasons that that makes you have to relearn that a little bit yeah three wins already didn't get our third win last year till november the 10th yeah so we're way ahead of of that schedule as well all right uh folks are ready to talk to you so let's head to the phones we're going to go to central out to central nebraska gary you are up first with bill moose tonight good evening hey thanks bill you bet gary hey here's my question I've been a season ticket holder on the West Stadium for a long time. Uh, lower Bowl, is there any chance we're going to get any kind of upgrade in the seating to some kind of stadium seating at any point in time in the future? Now, there could be, Gary. It's a good question. We we uh, are, are discussing and, and, like you, have concerns about the comfort of our fans and uh, the amenities uh, throughout the stadium. A lot, a lot of attention on South Stadium. Uh, we we need to get our fans moved into their seats easier than they they can now. We did some of that on North Stadium. We've got some more in the hopper, but uh, uh, you know, us us people are a little bit bigger than we were when that stadium was built, and and uh, we require a little bit more seat room. Like to get a little more leg room. That's tougher because. Because uh, uh, all that, all those um, treads and everything have been poured and are in place. But we're always looking at ways, as I said a moment ago, to take care of the fans that take such good care of us. Well, like I say, about 30 years ago, I fit in my little allotted <laughs> spot a lot easier than I fit now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm probably right there with you. And uh, if you and I were sitting side by side, we'd probably uh, take up three seats. But uh, well, it's <laughs> from the sounds of it. But uh, uh, hey, grin and bear it. When the scoreboard looks good, uh, sometimes it's easier. Gary, appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. Let's go to Scott's Bluff next. And Kevin, good evening, Kevin. You're up with Bill Moose. Yeah, Bill. Nice talk to you. Yeah, I love Scott's uh, Bluff. How are things out there? Well, it's nice today. It's supposed to get hot tomorrow, I guess. But All right. It's a beautiful day today. <laughs> Good. I'm calling about the Colorado game. Okay. Uh, you talked about how much red there was there. Yeah. Well, I've got some friends that got tickets from Colorado people, but their one requirement was they could not wear red or they'd lose their season tickets. So I think we probably had a lot more out there than just the red showed. <laughs> well, and I know we had we had a ton of fans that were there that didn't even have tickets to go to the game. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to right. be there and, and support the Huskers and, and uh, knew that they couldn't get in the stadium anyway. So it was well, it, it was very, very impressive and uh, really just, a, a source of pride, I know, for, for me and many others. Well, thank you, Bill. You're welcome, Kevin. Appreciate the phone call. Let's come back to this side of the state. Papillion, super fan, you're up with Bill Moose. Hey, uh, Bill, just a quick question for you about the location for college game day this weekend. Yeah. I can attest that the last time that they were here, that was 12 years ago, I was a sophomore in college. I was front row for college game day. It was inside the stadium, and I think the last handful of times they've been inside the stadium. Just wanted to get your thoughts about the location change. Did you have some input on that, or was that more provided by what ESPN kind of wanted to do or what they have kind of planned for, for this weekend? And are you the guest picker on, on Saturday? Yeah, well, they, uh, they just like college football itself, uh, college game day has, has grown as well and uh, has become even a larger production than, than folks will remember from 12 years ago. So uh, they pretty much tell us where they're going to be. And uh, we, we tried to move them and did towards uh, Lot 12 and, and uh, a view of East Stadium. And, and they moved that even around in, within that lot. But uh, we wanted to showcase the, the new business building uh, that we're so very proud of. And, and uh, of course, East Stadium, which has so much history, uh, and utilize that uh, Lot 12 parking area, which is what we ended up doing. But uh, they, they if you look around, you don't see them in stadiums anymore. No. They, they want to get a feel and want the country to get a feel of the campus itself, which, which is fine. And uh, I think we, we picked a, a great location, and we're going to try to set a record 
record with attendance. Uh, I think uh, Greg has promised we're going to have good weather, and and uh, we'll we'll get our people out there in force and have a lot of fun on Saturday morning. You that's some parking on game day that you had to kind of take over. Now that they get once the show's over at eleven, they tear down and get out of there, don't they? That's right. And so I we really want to thank our our uh, fans that park in uh, lot 12 but uh game day will be out of there by 2 2 30 in the afternoon of course game time is 6 30 so plenty of time to get back in there and have some fun pre-game and make sure everyone's in their seats by the time the ball's kicked off and are you the guest picker i am not the guest picker uh i was not even considered but i heard your name might be in the hat so matt davison said absolutely not okay whatever matt says we're gonna do that's what i do (laughs) wherever he tells me i i hope he tells me well maybe Matt's going to be the the guest picker. There we go. There have been stranger things than that that have happened (laughs) in that guy's life, right? Hey, callers into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Phone lines are open for you. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. More calls coming up. Welcome back to our Athletic Director Show for the month of September. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. 866-HUSKER-1, 5371 The number to dial us up. A few minutes left here on the program. We had a call about parking at volleyball. But volleyball ranked third in the country. Had that unbelievable match with uh, Stanford. A rematch of last year's title match. I saw BTM put out a thing that it was the most watched volleyball match they've ever had on btn last week amazing uh john cook and his program uh and i applaud him for scheduling matches like that yeah uh for the reason there we go again that the the eyeballs that are on that and the people that are interested and get to learn more about nebraska and uh, and you know that that's going to make us better because we won't play too many teams better than Stanford. That's the if any. And so our uh, this is a young team. We have no seniors. So a little taste of that early. Uh, I'm okay with that. Oscar's on the road this weekend at Illinois and at Northwestern this weekend. Let's uh, try John down in Kansas again. Hello, John. You're up with Bill Moose. Hey, guys, great show tonight. Uh, I hope you have a lot of luck this weekend since uh, Colorado beat you a couple weeks ago, but that's all right. Anyway, uh, hey, uh, I want to give a hats off to the event staff that does such a wonderful job for you, Bill. Uh, Matt Davidson, Kel Terrell, and Peyton Buckmaster are all part of the event staff, and they've got a huge load this week and a lot of things going on, and I'll hang up and just want to recognize those boys. I uh, they either played golf for me or worked for me at the golf course, but great young men. Thank you. Oh, hey, thank you, John. That, uh, <clears throat> and those are three all-stars you mentioned. Uh, and Matt just taking over that mm-hmm. lead role uh, this last year, but uh, more than qualified and ready. Um, but everybody sees how beautiful that stadium is and, and, and how uh, – fabulous and easy it is for our fans to get in and out and all the concessions work and the parking and the ushers and the uh the the suite hosts and all of those things uh is is a huge undertaking that uh at the at the end when it's all laid out nobody really appreciates the people like on a rock concert or a country concert which i go to all of the work the roadies do and everything else so that the so that the the people coming in to enjoy the concert see the concert and leave and then it's got to be torn down and put back these people do it daily and their days are long and for you to give them a shout out uh, stimulated me to uh, give them a a shout out as well they're busy with helping the ESPN folks getting that ready to go oh yes as we speak right now Yeah. (laughs) and soccer has a home match tomorrow night so they do anything that involves Husker athletics they have to to get ready so by your, your country music thing leads me to believe you may not stick around for rick ross's rapper act on friday night i've got an appointment right after our (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think go see the basketball and then leave yeah well i got an early day the next day we got game day in town (laughs) (laughs) very good let's go to south sioux city probably our final call of the night adam you're up with bill moose good evening 
sorry, my four-year-old in the background yelling, go Big Red. But, All right. Uh, Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say thanks. I think uh, the athletic department's in the best stance it's been since I've been alive. So thank you for doing that. And also, um, I wanted to ask you, Coach Frost has kind of been saying how he prefers the day game so he can get it out of the way and then uh, get off the day with recruiting and, and you know, maybe settling out the family a little bit. I was just going to see what you thought about that. Well, I think most coaches would like to play that one one thirty two o'clock. Uh, however, uh, you know when we do play early, I think it's an advantage to us because we practice in the morning. So uh, I thought when we were at Illinois with a night game on the road, uh, you know, that we were a little sluggish coming out. We're used to having the juices flowing by uh, eight thirty in the morning, and here we don't play until seven o'clock at night. It uh, you know, somewhat can can start off uh, slow like we did, but uh, like I said earlier in the show tonight, we've got to be ready to play whenever television dictates. And uh, it's so, it's Greg and I were just talking at the break. So much easier for everybody if you're going to have a night game to have one at home because uh, last last week coming back from Illinois, it was three three thirty in the morning by the time you know you got to your house and all those things. But again, that's that's part of life in uh, in the fast-paced world we live in. And that was a close, I mean, Champaign's not that far away. It was no. a clo- close flight for us. You could be playing at Maryland or Penn State where yep. it takes much longer to get back. Yes. Well, this will be a fun week. This is a pretty nice showcase for ESPN to be here. I know your staff is excited. I know the football team is excited for this. This should be a lot of fun. It should be, and it will be, and uh, looking forward to it. It's just a great time of the year. And, uh, we got soccer going, volleyball mm-hmm. we're talking about. we got some cross-country in they there. They had their home meet last yes. week. Yeah. Non-traditional seasons for other sports. Hey, uh, it's a great time to be a Husker. It sure is. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Let's have fun this weekend. Bill All Moose right. with us here for his monthly show. The Big Ten Blitz, Purdue. Let's start with the Boilermakers. Mike Carmen of the Lafayette Journal-Courier is with us here. Purdue off, coming off of an off week, a bye week for them. Mike, maybe a chance to get Elijah Sindelar back. What's the latest on the quarterback? Yeah, we still don't know for sure, but uh, he has been uh, practicing the last two days. And, you know, he's one of several several guys that uh, didn't play in the, in the TCU game that they hope to get back. Uh, for the the Big Ten opener Saturday against Minnesota. How much was he missed in that TCU game? Well, you, you threw a redshirt freshman who hadn't played in a college game out there against Gary Patterson and his defense. Uh, I don't know the record of Gary Patterson when he faces guys that have never or quarterbacks that have never played before, but I'm sure it's it's a good record from his standpoint. Uh, and you know, Purdue's had some issues on the offensive line. They were missing one of their their main their main guys on the line, so it, it just wasn't a good matchup. A little bit unfair for Jack Plummer to be out there, but you know, the result wasn't that surprising. Uh, and you know, I think getting if they can get Sindelar back, I think that would uh, uh, help the offense. Uh, but they still need to find some sort of running game as they get through the Big Ten season. Yeah, let's go there next. I know they've had some injuries at that running back spot. Is Anthrop going to get some carries this week? Did I see that? Yeah, I, I think he will. He, he was a running back uh, in high school. Now, you know, it, he, he's, he's a receiver in college. That's where he should play. But he has some instincts there and some good vision that I think they're looking for someone that can hit the hole a little bit quicker uh, because there have there hasn't been a lot of good holes from the offensive line and someone maybe with a little bit more toughness than what they've had right now and, and someone that, that has a little bit more experience than uh, what they've had in the backfield and um, you know I, I just think they're kind of searching for uh, an answer here here in the in the running game because against TCU they couldn't get a pair of third and ones a third and two and a fourth and one and just it killed drives and it just put the defense in a bad position throughout most of that game. Well, I'm, I'm sure they're disappointed to be one and two through the non-con, but, but this is the league opener this week. Kind of a fresh start, right? Has that been kind of the message around around yeah. town? It, it, it has. It's been a message uh, from Jeff, but it's also, um, you know, he needs to see a little bit more out of his team, a little bit more heat, uh, especially from the offense, uh, offensive and defensive lines. Um, he, he thought that was lacking a little bit in the TCU game. Uh, so, 
yes, it is the start of the Big Ten season, and you know you can you can start over a little bit, but you know he's trying to get a little bit more out of this team because he knows what he's going to face, starting with Minnesota, then you got Penn State, you got Maryland, and you know the whole the whole gamut that you have to face the next uh, nine games uh, in this league. All right, size this one up for us. Here come the Gophers. They're 3-0, and but they've been far from impressive. They've been able to kind of eke out wins in their first three games. Break this down for us. Well, uh, Minnesota's offensive line has a combined weight of about 1,700 pounds. <laughs> and and I was told today that's bigger than what the Vikings put out on the field each, each Sunday. Uh, so, I mean, they've got to deal with that. But I think they have some quickness uh, on the defensive line that maybe they can – um, you know, stuff some some of Minnesota's running game. The Gophers are having similar problems that Purdue's had in the running game. So this might be a, a high-scoring game, and I think Purdue's confident it can it can put up some points, especially if Simbalar is going to play. Uh, you know, I think Purdue has a chance to eat this one out, but I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Well, the way Wisconsin looks, you can't really drop a home game. Can anybody in this league, right? No, you, you and you got to hope Wisconsin comes back to earth a little bit or what we all thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year because they've they, they've uh, they've kicked it back into high gear and you know through through the first month of the season they've been uh, you know if, if not for Ohio State you know everyone would be talking more about Wisconsin but uh, I'm curious how this whole thing plays out in the Big Ten West I still think it's a competitive uh, league uh, or that side of the division I you know I think there's some more twists and turns that are going to come up uh, throughout this year. I think you're right. Minnesota at Purdue, 2.30 Central on ESPN2. Mike Carmen of the Journal Courier. Mike, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Penn State. Let's talk Nittany Lions. Corey Geiger, the Altoona Mirror with us. Penn State also coming off of a bye week. They'll jump into conference play a Friday night football game. That has to fire you up, doesn't it, Corey? Friday night football? <laughs> Not what, not in the least, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, hey, look, I know James Franklin's kind of railed against this, saying Friday should be about, you know, high school football and everything. But Penn State's played this, they've done this before. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, really. All right, um, how, how's, what's the feeling through three games? Three wins, it was close with Pitt. Um, what's, what's the feeling around camp? Have they hit their stride yet, still trying to find some things? No, not at all. Their, their offense is... Is still trying to figure out some things. The running game, the offensive line, they, they just have not done a, a good job of maintaining any kind of consistency running the ball. And that may be an issue as we go into the season. They're playing four running backs, Greg, which is mm. just mind-boggling, really. Um, and they, 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 James Franklin says nobody has separated himself. Uh, I kind of think they're doing it just to keep everybody happy so that nobody, you know, wants to transfer and checks out mentally or anything. But uh, it, when, when you're playing four different running backs and nobody can get into a groove and your offensive line is not great at run blocking, you know, you, you leave yourself, you know, some, some question marks. Well, okay, here we go. Maryland looked like gangbusters the first two games, and Temple put the brakes on them. What, what, do you, what do you think of the Terps through their first three? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, Penn State's favored by like six and a half. Penn State beat them 38-3 to three last year. Two years ago, it was 66-3. to three. <laughs> So I think the all-time series is something like 39-2. to two. So, before I consider Maryland a worthy opponent for Penn State, I need to see it. And so, uh, I was impressed with what they did against Syracuse. That was uh, that was pretty amazing. And I, I think Josh Jackson has a chance to be really good. I watched him a good bit when he was at Virginia Tech a couple years ago when he was when he was playing well. I, I guess my answer, Greg, is you, you got to show me. You, you got to show me that you can do this against a quality defense. Penn State has an outstanding defense. Uh, their offense has a chance to be good if they get the passing game really going, but their defense is going to be good. And I'm telling you, Maryland has scored six points total against Penn State in the past two years. So I, 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 I want to say that maybe we can see a close game, but unless Maryland comes out and proves that they can move the ball, I, I I I could see Penn State blowing their doors off. You mentioned Jackson, the transfer from Maryland at quarterback. Give me your 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 grade so far on Sean Clifford and what he's done for the Lions. 
yeah, I think he's progressed about the way I would have expected. Um, he is capable of moving the offense with short and intermediate throws, and then he's capable of firing at 50 yards downfield and getting those big plays, which is exactly what Penn State likes to do. Now, against Pitt, they only scored 17 points, and that game was very much in doubt. They won 17-10 to 10 against Pitt. But Sean Clifford had a good half dozen shots downfield, 40, 50 yards, with guys who were open. And I'm talking about guys who had a step or two easily. And if the ball's there, then, you know, Penn State scores comfortably and they win that game. And he overthrew the guys by a couple of yards. Now, I'm not a big if person, uh, you know, but you can say if all the time. My point is, Greg, Penn State has those plays that it can go to. They can score from anywhere on the field if Sean Clifford delivers the ball on target. And so I, I don't think Penn State has the kind of offense because the running game is suspect that they're just going to go 80 yards downfield in 13 plays. But they do have the kind of offense that they can score in a minute or two if Clifford hits one of those 40, 50, 60-yard bombs. So, And they do have the receivers that can do that. As he gets more comfortable and if he has time in the pocket to make those throws, it only takes hitting a few. I compare it to the American League. Greg, you go out and hit a couple, uh, three three-run homers, you're going to win the game even if you strike out 18 times. So I think that's really kind of Penn State's offense at this point. And Pitt got him a nice win after they played the Lions by beating UCF. I'm still puzzled by Narduzzi's field goal attempt there late in the game. I'm sure you were as well. That was insanity. There's no way. That is just one of the worst calls I've ever seen uh, in football. You're talking about they that was their 100th meeting. They don't play again probably for a long time. Narduzzi badly wanted to be paid. It made no sense whatsoever. And then they go out and have a tremendous fourth down call to beat UCF. But I will say this. Uh, Pitt, they played Penn State tough. And that's the kind of game I think Penn State needed. Because when you're in a game and you win a game tight, I think a young team really learns from that. All right, give me a score. What do you think Friday night? I got 30-20 Penn State. I would not be surprised if it's something like 34 to. 10. Penn State at Maryland, Friday Night Football on FS1. It is at 7 o'clock Central Time. Corey Gagger, the Altoona Mayor. We appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Wisconsin. Aaron, here to talk about the Badgers, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Wisconsin embarrassed Michigan last Saturday, 35-14. Let's start with that, Jesse. How, how did they do it? How, what was the, the formula for Wisconsin last week? Well, they showed no fear and tremendous trust offensively and defensively on the very first series. Wisconsin went for it on fourth down and one from its own 34-yard line, put in a play and a package that utilized seven offensive linemen, got the first down and scored. So it was really a dominant performance all the way around. Wisconsin scored the first five touchdowns. Michigan did score a couple touchdowns late, but this one was never close, and I think the Badgers show the country that they're for real this season. Jesse, are you more surprised that they're this far along offensively or defensively at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'd say probably defensively. Last year they really struggled to stop the run, but they did not have a lot to work with up front on the defensive line. Their two starters coming into the season uh, were injured. Garrett Rand was out for the season with an Achilles injury, and Isaiah Loudermilk was in and out of the lineup. He missed four games, so they just couldn't generate the push they wanted to. Well, they've got those two guys back. They've got Matt Hennington back, who earned valuable starting experience last season. And those three guys can just rotate every three or four snaps, and they've also gotten some solid play at nose guard. So I think there's just more depth and more health and more experience defensively because they're leading the country in a lot of major statistical categories at this point, uh, and it's just been quite a sight to see. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, uh, we, we watch it as fans and, and media people and try to break down teams, and, and, and maybe we don't find some flaws. Coaches tend to. What, what do you think worries Paul Christ right now? What, what is he concerned about with his team right now? Well, I think special teams is something to watch. Um, kicker Colin Larsh took over for Rafael Gaglianone, uh, and Gaglianone graduated after last season as the program's all-time leader and made field goals, and so far Larsh has just one for four. And I don't think Paul sounded too worried when I asked him about it earlier this week. Larsh missed a 51-yard field goal before the half in a game. He missed a 48-yarder, but, you know, in one-possession games, 
you're going to need a reliable kicker. And so I think that's something to watch. But from an offensive and defensive perspective, I think on the whole, uh, there's not a whole lot to nitpick about considering how dominant Wisconsin has been in three wins. Okay, this week, here come the Cats. Northwestern coming up there. And, boy, they, they had a rough time with Michigan State. Size this matchup up for us, would you? Well, I think Wisconsin certainly is the favorite considering how well the Badgers have played. But I do think that Northwestern will have Wisconsin's attention simply because how well the Wildcats have played against the Badgers. Wisconsin went down to Evanston last season and lost that game. Uh, They've lost three times, I think, in the last five matchups. And Northwestern ran away with the West Division last year. They went 8-1 won the division by three games. I know it's not the same team, but Pat Fitzgerald always has his teams ready. They're going to be physical, and Wisconsin's going to have to match that intensity. All right, any storylines during the week? Are they concerned about injuries at all? What, what have been kind of the storylines coming out of the Michigan game? Well, really, I think one of the storylines, and perhaps this is more media-driven than the players since they don't control the rankings, but Wisconsin's in the top ten now. They're number eight in the AP Top 25 poll, and I think the way they played against Michigan showed the country how good they could be But now Paul Chris is feeling questions about the potential for distractions and what does it mean when you're in this spot all of a sudden and you could potentially be a college football playoff team. If you look at Wisconsin's schedule, they're going to be favored, I would imagine, in every game the rest of the way other than a road game at Ohio State. And so I think it goes back to the approach that has gotten Wisconsin to this point and the mindset they need to have to stay in the moment and just focus on the next team. They've been very good about that. Uh, for the large part of Paul Chris' tenure here, and I think that's something that will continue this season. 11 o'clock on Saturday, the Badgers host Northwestern on ABC. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Jesse, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. His voice will sound familiar. And Neville's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, believe it or not, final week of the regular season. Does it does it surprise you, or where are you at mentally with this whole thing? Uh, the season always goes faster than you think when you're in the middle of it, I think. Um, you know, my first year was kind of a wild year where I was moving my family in the middle of it. There was just a lot going on, so that season probably didn't fly as fast as these last three have. Um, but these last three seasons, it feels like you're at opening day and you're in your suit and tie and you're doing all these media interviews. You know, it's all the pageantry of opening day. And then you blink and it's like, okay, we're past the all-star break now. And then you blink again and you're in the final month of the season. And so it's it, it's wild how it goes. But I think it's partly because, you're look, you, you have a game to get ready for every single day. And so your time is pretty occupied, whether you're at home or you're on the road. And you're pretty engaged in this stuff. And anytime you kind of get swept away in this stuff, it, it goes fast. And so uh, it's a little wild that here we are. Um, but it's also fun because that means the really fun stuff is just around the corner. Yeah, playoffs start next week. Brewers are just inches away from qualifying for the playoffs. The Nationals qualified last night. Is that, are you, should we be surprised that Washington is a playoff team? Um, yes and no. That's a really good question, and I think there's there's kind of two answers to it, to be honest with you. Um, on one hand, yes, because this is a team that was 19-31 and 31 at one point this season. Uh, it looked like they were going nowhere. I think they were probably at one point days away from firing their manager, and they didn't do it. They got hot, and they've been one of the best teams in baseball since the end of May. Um, they on paper, still were pretty talented even losing Bryce Harper. I mean, they add Patrick Corbin, so now the front three of your rotation is Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. That's kind of good. Uh, (laughs) Anthony Rendon has been one of the more underrated players in baseball for a long time. He's finally getting some of the credit that he deserves. Trey Turner, you got to remember, that guy, when he's healthy, is exciting and fun to watch play. Victor Robles is, is a guy that is a really tremendous defensive outfielder, uh, just an amazing arm and, and really talented player. So I, I still like that roster a lot. So if you just look at the roster, I'm not that surprised that they're where they're at right now. Um, you take one guy off that team, and, and I mean, I felt like last year they were a very underachieving team. I, I feel like they were one of the more talented rosters in baseball over the last couple of years. So, yeah, you lose a guy off that team, but you add a really top-notch starting pitcher, I'm not shocked they are where they are. Now, they got some bullpen issues, and um, they're not a perfect team by any stretch, but uh, it'll be interesting to see because they certainly have a great rotation. 
Well, you're right. You take off Harper, though. I think the feeling was they were gutted because of the superstar that leaves. And, and a lot of people then were ready to crown the Phillies as the team to beat in that division. I think a lot of people picked them. They're out. Right? I mean, they're out. It's, it's Atlanta as the, the divisional winner and, and the Nats as a wild card. Philadelphia is probably going to have to do some self-evaluation here in the offseason, aren't they? Yeah, to some degree. I, I think that, look, I mean, I mean, they have a talented roster. There's there's no getting around that. Um, they have some really good players on that team. They, they are going to need to make some tweaks and some changes. Um, they're probably not going to get the third year of the Jake Arrieta contract like they would have liked it to be. Um, he's just not the guy that he was in 2015 anymore. Um, he's dealt with some injury issues, um, so that's been a concern as well. But um, they're going to have some moves they have to make. Look, they expect to win with that group. They didn't go invest that kind of money into Bryce Harper to not make the playoffs. So they will, I'm sure, be very aggressive this year in the offseason. But you're, you're fighting uphill in that division. The Braves are not going anywhere. And the Braves are going to have some payroll flexibility moving forward, too, because they have a lot of good young players that aren't overly expensive in terms of payroll. And they've got them under control for a long time. So you're going to have a hard time knocking the Braves off in that East, I think, if you're anybody. And I think the Nationals are going to be good for a while, too, especially if they can re-sign Rendell. Speaking of being out, Ned Yost announced he's retiring in Kansas City. I don't know if that shocked a lot of people. How, how will he be remembered, do you think, as a manager in baseball? Well, I think he should be remembered as a guy that took a, a small market franchise with a pretty low payroll and took him to back-to-back World Series and everything else should be details at that point in time. Um, he took a team in 2014 that won an unbelievable wild card game, um, made an unbelievable run of the World Series and came very, very close to winning it. Um, then he came back the next year and that team had unfinished business and they finished it and they finished it in New York City in a game five in extra innings. He, he did a lot of things unconventionally, but I think that's great. In the game. I, I think sometimes when he would drive people crazy with decisions that he made, but a lot of times they worked out. Um, I think that's what's beautiful about baseball. I don't think you can really argue with his results. He's going to be a Royals Hall of Famer for sure. Um, that's, that's a given. Uh, he should go in the day the season ends. And uh, I think he should be remembered as uh, one of the greats, uh, certainly that Kansas City's ever had. Um, because of what he was able to do. Well, they're, they're certainly you, the Brewers are, are, are going to be in here either tonight or tomorrow. I think you clinch. Uh, the Cardinals are going to be in. So the field's kind of set, whether who's who's in the wild card, who's won a division. That isn't totally set yet in the Central. The American League wild card race, pretty exciting, isn't it, between Tampa and Cleveland battling right behind the Oakland A's? It really is. That Rays team is just – they're fun. Um, they, they do it you – know, I think when you look at people that do it – in an unorthodox way, the Rays are certainly that team in the AL, and the Brewers are probably that team in the NL. Uh, with the way that the Brewers use their bullpen in the month of September, and of course the Rays kind of do some of those same things. Um, they're an exciting, fun team, a lot of good personalities on that squad. And then Cleveland has the superstars. Ramirez is starting to get hot. Of course, he just came back from injury, but he gets a grand slam right when he comes back from injury. Frankie Lindor is an, an elite, elite player. And they have some pretty darn good pitching there in Cleveland, too. So um, that'll be fun to see who can finish there. Of course, Cleveland ends up with Washington in the interleague series to finish the year. And both of those teams kind of fighting for, in Cleveland's case, a spot in the postseason. And Washington fighting for home field advantage in the wild card. So that'll be a huge series to end the year. Sure will be. You are in Cincinnati, and I saw the Brewers account last night tweet out a picture of Bob Euchre standing with Marty Brenneman, who's retiring after a long, prestigious career in Cincinnati. What kind of guy is Marty? He's the best. Uh, just actually, uh, when we started this, uh, we got a chance to spend about 15, 20 minutes with him just talking and talking about uh, all of the things he's seen in his career and the people that he's come in contact with. He's a, he's a good man. He's a great baseball man. Um, he's going to enjoy going and traveling and, and being a grandpa a little bit now, I think, moving forward. But um, he's one of the best. He's one of the first guys I met uh, my first real day on the job with the Brewers in spring training. And I remember him coming up to me and talking to me. And I remember feeling like, I'm not worthy of this. Like, you're coming and talking to me. This is really cool. But it really made me feel welcome and and made me feel a lot less intimidated about swimming with you know some of these big names 
uh, that have done the game for so long at this level. Baseball and, and, and radio voices kind of go hand in hand, don't they? It's just really the sport of the fan because it's such a long season. And you can't just sit in front of your TV and watch every game. There's certainly a bond, aren't isn't there, between broadcasters and the fan base? Yeah, there there is, and they're your guys. Um, you know, they 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 live through it with you, and they they enjoy it, and they pull for the team in many ways, just like you do as a fan. And so, I think there's there's some camaraderie built in that way indirectly also all right well enjoy the the last couple of days pretty sure the brewers are going to be in and and what when would the national league if you were in the wild card game when is that is that a tuesday tuesday night yeah next tuesday night and to be determined where so very good that's one of the big things to still be answered here over the next few days all right well enjoy the ride it's gonna be fun brewers are gonna be in the playoffs for back-to-back years that's a pretty cool thing and we'll talk again next week Sounds good. Thanks, Ray. Welcome back. Last couple minutes here of Sports Nightly on a Wednesday night, 866-HOSKER-1. If you want to dial us up, still a few minutes left. you want to jump on with a last-second comment or question, we had some fun early in the week with kind of trying to guess who the ESPN guest picker is going to be. The Bachelor, Colton Underwood, from the ABC TV show, tweeted a couple of hours ago that he's going to be in Lincoln. Looking forward to being here. My, it gets my antennas up a little bit. Could he be the guest? I would, I would be disappointed, honestly, if that's the direction ESPN goes. Colton, I'm sure, is a nice young lady in college football but has no ties to this area. There's certainly some great options. We talked about it on Monday night at a Twitter poll. Gabrielle Union, who's from Omaha, big Husker fan, married in town for the weekend. They're going to be a part of the teammate celebration on Friday night up in Omaha. She's been back to the game for a while. She'd be great. She'd be fantastic. Uh, we mentioned Bud Crawford, the boxer from Omaha. Certainly he's a big Husker fan. He's been to a handful of Husker football games. He'd be a good one. Larry the Cable Guy would certainly be. Some folks have mentioned Jack Hoffman would be a fun guest picker to have out there. So I saw that tweet. It's gotten a lot of Twitter reaction tonight. I'm kind of hoping that isn't the direction ABC, ESPN slash ABC goes. They might. They like to cross-promote their franchises, and hopefully that's not what they ended up doing. All right, tomorrow night here on the program, we'll have a practice report. Head coach Scott Frost will meet with the media tomorrow. We'll have clips from that for you tomorrow night. It's our Nebraska football show, and offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach Troy Walters will be here uh, in hour number two. So get your comments and questions ready for him. We'll get his thoughts about locking up with this terrific Buckeye defense and about the progress he's seen in his own room with the development of Wandale Robinson, uh, him splashing onto the scene last week. We'll have that tomorrow night. We'll also hear from Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. We check in with him each and every Thursday night. And Todd Lebo from 810WHB in Kansas City is going to be with us tomorrow night in hour number three. We haven't talked to Leaves six months. I think something like that. Yeah, it's like late March. At least that's the last time I've got on my list. We had Todd Lebo. Lots to talk about with him, including some major news that is involving the Kansas basketball program. They've been they've received their official letter of inquiry from the NCAA, and it sounds pretty serious for KU basketball. We'll get Todd's take on all of that. What a great show tonight. Thanks to Bill Moose for coming in, spending a little bit of time with us here on the program tonight. My thanks to Nate, to Josh, to Tim, and to all of you for being a part of this show tonight. Congratulations to our Big Red Replay Nebraska Lottery winner, Paul from Norfolk. So well done for him. We'll do that again next Wednesday night. Thanks for being a part of this one tonight. Enjoy your night. Back with you tomorrow. Good night.